Hello, and thank you very much for listening to this episode of the Get Out There podcast. My name is Billy Newman, and I'm here today with Robert Biscaret. Robert, how you doing? Hey, doing well, Billy. How you doing? Doing good, man. Thanks a lot for doing uh, episode 10 of the podcast. It's pretty cool. Yeah, no, I'm excited, man. Uh, what is, is it? What episode is it? Episode ten now. Episode ten. Yeah, moving into double digits. So, uh, so that's that's a big. <laughs> that's our first milestone. It's great, man. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's right. But uh, but yeah, definitely. Uh, uh, yeah, at the beginning, it'll be cool. I think it'll be cool to see like what what we kind of build on or like how the show kind of grows or evolves over the next uh, few months as we put it together a little bit more. Yeah, it'd be interesting. I like you know the more we do it. it the more it evolves and I, I am kind of curious these things like when you do stuff like this whether it's any type of project when you're working with somebody it always evolves in some different way that reflects personalities and it's always fun yeah i want to grow it a bit and i want to try and make it uh like a little bit unique or you know just so it's kind of kind of interesting to us at least um but i like it being yeah. honest and being about like some of the cool stuff that we remember about uh about our trips and the outdoor stuff that we've done um we need uh intro music Oh yeah, no. I want to. I want to work on our sound design. <laughs> yeah, and I'm uh, thinking just like uh, some Slayer. Oh yeah, that's uh, <laughs> that's the uh, the great outdoors sound. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, it's exact. That's what nature sounds like. A babbling brook. That's what it sounds like. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I was thinking about this week. I wanted to talk to you about some of the raft experience that you'd had. Yeah. On the Rogue River, and probably how to apply a lot of that rafting experience outside of that to to just other rivers and other experiences more more in general about like the equipment use of rafting yeah. and um of uh of doing like well probably doing multi-day trips but i was also thinking about people who are interested in doing like smaller trips and you 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 tell me i was thinking about it in this way of sort of like three different categories of if you were going to be like a like a bigger trip like what you would think about for like setting up a raft trip for um for like a guide company or an outfitter mm-hmm. what you're looking at there as a guide or maybe like what you did to to rig a raft and have it set up and like what kind of equipment that was or probably what kind of expense too or what kind of investment it is to get into that level of raft and then maybe like what it's like for someone that was going to set up a private trip i've been trying to figure out like the difference between like the the public commercial side of rafting stuff yeah. and yeah. what it would be like for a hobbyist or like for what you did picking up your your first raft and trailer and frame and mm-hmm. i want to think about that a little bit and then there's also kind of that the other end too of what we used what you and i used to be of uh people that would like pick up a day rental or pick up mm-hmm. uh like you know whatever smaller thing that they had and there's kind of that like day trip section of it too so i wanted to talk about those three levels of kind of getting ready or or, or what's involved equipment wise for doing rafting yeah, yeah so that's that's those are good topics. I like that. Um, yeah, there's there's a few different levels of it, and I guess it all comes like how serious you are about it, how much you love being on the water, and you know when it comes down to it, everybody, well, for the most part, enjoys being on the water when it's you know a hot summer day or something. But right, yeah. uh, it's it's costly. It's like anything you do. Oh um, yeah, everything's you know, a big any hobby. hobby. Yeah, hobbies, man. Uh, it seems like the minimum anything. cost for a hobby is about a thousand dollars. So what it seems like yeah, I remember, I, there's, but there's different tiers too because there's thousand dollar hobbies, then there's ten thousand dollar hobbies, there's like fifty thousand. Like if you want to be a race car driver, 
Well, and see, and I think that's the difference between a hobby and a lifestyle, though. I think that's when your hobby becomes part of your lifestyle. Like, uh, so, so perfect example is is I'm in like that ten thousand dollar hobby thing now, but with yeah. the boating, but it's also a huge part of my life, and I, you know, I, I use it for my work as well as my as well as my pleasure. So, oh, yeah. Uh, I mean, I, I think that's where really a lot of adults end up taking their hobbies eventually mm-hmm. is to a place where it's, you know, it's pretty serious or it's like a pretty serious uh, component of their lifestyle. It's mm-hmm. kind of interesting how that is. But yeah, I definitely believe that, that your investments probably pushed up to the $10,000 range. I mean, I know said about like a lot of the photography stuff that I've gotten. Mm-hmm. We've pulled up a bunch of this stuff and we've been laying it out. And yeah, the investments like way up above that range or so but you imagine like early on when we were getting into guitars in high school and if yeah. you get like if you get the half stack and a guitar you're kind of looking at like the thousand dollar range if you're looking yeah. at like a season pass and like a new snowboard that's like a thousand dollars or so like every mm-hmm. every hobby was like a, a thousand like a thousand bucks there's kind of like a market price point around that that amount yeah it's funny i've never really looked at it that right it's weird yeah there's yeah. it's just yeah these invisible numbers out there that seem to be uh the the limits of what we'll pay but yeah. i paid for it every time it seems like <laughs> uh, so yeah no so i guess i'll i'll start with like uh you know your basic basic hobbyist that just wants to with the family or whatever just get on the water for a day um your best bet for something like that um especially if you don't have any experience with the water you're going to get onto um is is rentals um you can do like guided day tours uh which you know everything's provided you guys are just out on the water doing your thing and you can get into those for about a 100 bucks i've done Um, a few of those i had a good time yeah they're they're pretty fun um i mean most of the time you're gonna get you know a high school kid that probably from the area on their summer vacation getting ready to go to college or whatever but they're usually from the area fairly knowledgeable about the about the river they're running and and for the most part you can have a good time everybody's safe and uh you know all the all the work and labor intensive ends are taken care of for you um so if you're not a big time water enthusiast i would say that would be the best way to go check it out but uh kind of stepping up from there uh you know being from the area you get a lot of people that um you know, own boats in the area. Yeah, that's what um, I was thinking about. Was all the and all those the people are like those have their own boats set up so that they would go down and they, you know they had hardly really any any professional setup at all. It was just, I mean, like what well, we took down hundreds or you know dozens of times during a handful of summers it was just real simple stuff that we pulled from Bymart. Yeah, exactly, and that's that's the way you get involved in it and stuff, and get hey, you find out that when you go to price rafts and stuff, you're looking at you know. Uh, four to five thousand dollars just for you know an intro- introduction level raft i was looking uh, at that frame and oars it looked pretty yeah. expensive i wanted to talk about like the big time raft prices and a few in this yeah. podcast but yeah i was really i was interested in that i was surprised but i remember yeah. like the, the the cheap like uh sevilor sevilor two-man yeah. tahiti kayak that we'd, we'd uh, inflated and oh, it kind of yeah. tacos on the 79 rivers. bucks man there we go. That got us through June, at least that one, that one yeah. summer when we were we were going down. Yeah, but it was great. I loved doing that. It was like after work or something, and we cruised down to mm-hmm. uh, down to like the Hell's Canyon and put in. Went to Galice, I think, one time. 
It was great. It was cool. Yeah, no, it's a ton of fun. Um, kind of get serious about doing that and really enjoy doing that in your in area where you can access this all the time. That's when you start getting into that, like, I don't know, I'm going to just call it the middle ground and say that's that $5,000 hot. Yeah. Because probably set lures and stuff is, um, you know, you want to bring your friends and stuff. Not everybody feels good about getting in a kayak. Um, rowing's a ton of fun. And you just can't pack enough beer. So all these things yeah. just kind of accumulate into, uh, you know, stepping up your your water game and getting a little bit more involved. Yeah, I think um, I think having a raft, having a good raft. Well, what would you recommend for the Rogue River? So there's like, um, well, probably like above a ten foot raft. I'm you, sorry, I, I lost connection. With oh you yeah, for a second. you uh, when you were on the Rogue, uh, maybe even on like the day trip section. Are you running? Uh-huh. Are you running like a sixteen foot boat or an eighteen foot boat? Yeah, yeah. Uh, typically, anything we do on the Rogue is going to be sixteen foot boats. Uh, we're running rubber rafts for rafting, obviously. Um, or the little inflatable kayaks or IKs as they're called. Right. Um, so yeah, I mean for that section, if it's just like you and your wife and the dog or something like for somebody that's not a serious multi-day rafter, I would suggest getting into like a 14 foot boat. A 14 foot boat is perfect. You can put the cooler in there. Yeah. You can put two to three people in there and have a great day um the only problem with that is is if you start getting into multi-day trips the amount of gear you start bringing adds up really really quick and a lot of times you can't accommodate your equipment and the people in the boat yeah okay yeah was that about the size of of tyler's dad's boat that we'd see go down on the river yeah yeah did, or did, did, did you say Tyler's yeah, dad? Yeah, Tyler's dad. Yeah, I was wondering if that was about the size of his boat set up. I was thinking about him. and uh, Yeah, his and is a 14-foot. Yeah, okay. okay. He's, he's got like a, a late 80s Sotar raft. The thing's awesome. It's like a it's like a collectible, man. That thing's one of the originals. <laughs> That's um, so cool. Yeah, but he had a uh, he had a self-bailing floor put into it um, and all that stuff, but yeah, that's that's like the perfect size for like those weekend trips that you just want to do. Right. You know, on a Saturday it's a hundred degrees out. Let's go hit the river. That's perfect. That sounds really cool. Yeah, it seems like yeah. it would be the best setup for it. And so, uh, what was the what was the size of raft that that you got? Uh, like, was it now two years ago that you that you bought your your own raft? I got a sixteen foot, um, just because the fourteen ended up being too small for. Because that's typically what I do are the multi-day trips, and uh, that's that's the problem you end up with a lot of times is you just can't fit your gear in a fourteen-foot boat. Okay, and still put two people in there. And that's why you it's went just with sixteen. Yeah, it's just a little more breathing room. I just think yeah. it's more comfortable and sure. uh, far far better experience. I had a, I had a great time. I had a great experience in your boat. I think it, yeah. it works really well. So what's and it's the... funny. Oh go, oh, go ahead. Oh, I was gonna ask about uh, about like the lifespan of boats, or about like maintenance, and about like how old your boat is, how long you yeah, can expect to keep a raft on the river. Man, you can keep it. Okay, it's like any good equipment you buy for any form of outdoor recreating. It's all in how you take care of it. Um, I, you know, everybody wants to get a boat, and I really kind of 
downplay it for a lot of people unless they're serious about maintenance. Oh, sure. And upkeep and storage yeah. and things like that. Yeah. It's there's a lot that goes into it. Um, you know, if you're going to store it over the winter, try not to roll it. Keep it inflated. Those rolls become creases, and then become weak. I've seen where PVC. Yeah, I've seen where it becomes weak. I've had a I had a dry bag that I put in the closet. You know, six or seven yeah. years old, but. When I pulled it out, yeah, where it had creased and it had sat, it got brittle and it cracked there. Just in that spot mm-hmm. is weird. You know, weird to see it, but but it's interesting though. Yeah. So like when it's deflated, that's when that's when you get creases and that's when you get the extreme amount of weathering. Yeah, well, not not weathering. I mean, you got to figure these things are in the sun all the time. Another thing you got to sure. do is they make a boat conditioner and it's called like three hundred three, I think. But uh, it's like that terrible band. <laughs> Oh yeah, um, yeah. You remember those guys? Of course. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, but there's like a but you you put it on. Is it polypropylene or what was it? What's the uh, material that the that the rafts are made out of? Uh, the older rafts, if it's a good raft, is made out of hypalon. Hypalon. Um, yeah, and then the the newer rafts are PVC. Oh, um, really? Okay. Yeah. So, but anyway, they make this boat conditioner, and what it does is. You know, it, it's kind of like sunscreen for your boat, basically. Okay. And just prolongs the life by a lot of years. And, sure. Um, it's kind of the the end of the season gig before you before you break everything down. Yeah. Okay. And then you, sure. the plan is that during the cold season, you, you keep it inflated and you just have it stacked up in a dry area to store it? That's, that's the idea. Um, I, if you're going to be serious about having a boat, I suggest uh, investing in kind of a Somewhere to keep it, I suppose. I don't know. Like, if, if you're any serious boater, what was that? Oh, I was just going to say um, you would invest in somewhere to keep it? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. you got to figure you're going to have a frame. You're going to have probably two, maybe three sets of oars, uh, right. you know, life jackets, cam straps, uh, just a, a, an abundance of things. And yeah, okay. For, for just anybody with a single car garage that's a lot of stuff to store oh um, yeah it's a ton of stuff to try and put together all into one spot yeah so then you're rolling your boat and things like that so if you can the best way to take care inflate it over the winter that's kind of a good idea to try and keep it inflated during the cold season or like uh while it get brittle you know i had some neighbors that i think had had a like a big rubber raft that they put up out in the field and they uh-huh. just let it like sit there for like winter and then summer and then winter and summer deflated. And, you know, like whatever happens with the earth and the grass of, of how, you know, do you know how like when you pull up stuff and there's like all like little rodents and critters yeah, and stuff? Yeah, it becomes this like kind of yeah, composting. It's, yeah, it's crazy how it going is. On beneath it. Yeah. And it was just crazy to see like this really nice raft just go to like nothing and just kind of be, you know, yeah. just become compost over, over 24 months or something. No. That is pretty crazy. I'm upset with those people. I yeah, I know. I'm, <laughs> I'm upset with them too. <laughs> well, I was, okay. So I was wanting to ask you about this. Where do you go about sourcing all the other materials? So there's the raft itself that you uh, can get, but then there's the frame, and then like everything else. Like you, would you go through? I know, like a lot of the outfitters, they buy a lot of their stuff from like NRS. Yeah, and then uh, they, at least in Southern Oregon, right? Everybody's pretty pretty well hooked on Sotar rafts. Mm-hmm. Now, is yeah. that like pretty common West Coast wide, or is Sotar like a smaller company? 
No, no, Sotar is uh, known worldwide. That's what uh, I thought and seen, and everybody like seems time to be, deal. Yeah, hit Sotar, but they're in Merlin, right? Yeah, they're right out of Merlin, Oregon. <laughs> That's outrageous. Uh, the they say Sotar stands for uh, well, a bunch of different people argue that it stands for different things, but what Sotar is an acronym for is a uh, state of the art rafts, and. Uh, Okay. That's what they do. They produce rafts and uh, they do a lot of dry boxes and camping cookware and they're and then they're also just kind of a retailer for for NRS stuff also. I've noticed but, that before uh, in the past. Yeah, yeah, I saw a lot of their stuff in there. Yeah, you can go in there and buy your life jacket and chacos or tivas is the way to go. <laughs> there you but, go, man. <laughs> um, yeah. but yeah, uh, I if you're like me. Man, okay, so so your like little five thousand dollar raft can easily turn into a twenty thousand dollar raft if you're buying everything new. Um, oh, really? Yeah. You know, from NRS or Sotar. Well, yeah, I pulled um, up the Sotar page earlier, and uh-huh. I saw a listed. I wrote it down. It was for an eighteen foot raft, one of those purple ones. Uh-huh. It was seventy eight hundred dollars. And that's just the raft. Just the raft, huh? Yep. That's not the frame. That's crazy. Nobody runs steel frames anymore unless you acquired it somehow or built it yourself. Oh, Everything's really? aluminum now. Yeah. And it's all powder coated. Um, oh, so okay. for a frame, you're probably looking, honestly, 2500 for a good frame. Really? Wow. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then your ore locks mm-hmm. are, you know, 60 bucks a piece. Because uh, they don't come as a pair, you buy them separate. Wow. Um, then you start getting into ores. You're probably looking at four hundred bucks for a nice set of ores. Yeah, I've, um, I've heard that. That's kind of on the low end too. Like, uh, yeah, is I, I got mine. Yeah, Sawyer makes great, great ores. Is that? Yeah, I remember seeing those uh, at, at a few of the places. And I remember, like, uh, just like the the blade was just an insane amount of money. Yeah, well, so a blade itself is like 125, 150 bucks. Wow. Retail, um, and then you start getting into your composite shafts and uh, stuff like that. And yeah, man, it becomes really expensive. I got my set of nine and a half footers for, uh, I want to say, four ninety five, and I got like because they had been used once on a river trip, so they kind of had some scratches on the blades, and um, because I was an outfitter, I got like, you know, 30% knocked off. Wow. Um, so, I mean, that, yeah. So I got a screaming deal. And, uh, and that's and still was, a lot. You know, it was that's still, still 500 big time. bucks. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so I wanted to ask you that too. How do people kind of find their way into to, to doing rafting or to doing stuff on the river i mean for us like we kind of grew up in southern oregon and even still i wouldn't say i'm an avid rafter i'd gone like the times that we did or i'd done like small time rentals but like uh it's the people that like yourself like worked as a guide for a while and then they do something else and then they come back to the river or they, they want to do more outfitting or you know how, how does that you know, start uh, it's it's a variety of different things that happen is uh, you know some people um you know they do the guiding thing for a little bit they get involved somehow and then they you know, come back to it, or they grew up with somebody that had a boat. Maybe their dad had a boat when they were a kid. They got oh, sure. some, some time in on the sticks. It's like uh, it's like anything though that you pursue. You always find a way in. You know, when I started playing guitar, you just start associating with the people that are doing what you want to do. 
And so you start, as a guitar player, you start looking for other guitar players and you pick their brains and seek answers and help. Yeah. Well, yeah, I was curious you know. about that because, I mean, I know I had spent like a, a couple summers down there on the Rogue River, too, and you'd watch all those chips go by. But I was always wondering, like, where are these people getting their expertise to do this? I mean, it's kind of a, like a technical level of skill to operate, like, mm-hmm. especially like the lower Rogue or some of these uh, these private chips that would come through and they'd get the shuttle uh, to like go over to the other side and, and they'd like mm-hmm. rent out, they'd rent out all their equipment from from the outfitter that I worked at. And then they'd go down, but you just think like, what was this guy's past like? Or how did this guy jump into it? Was he like twenty when he got into rafting? Was he thirty or something? Like, is it just something he did when he's a kid? Started yeah. out from a long time ago that was kind of passed down by generations, like what you're talking about. It seems like it almost has to be uh, connected a little bit like that. Maybe like hunting, like what we talked about a few episodes back. But it seems like a lot of mm-hmm. these recreational activities seems like you have to be sort of brought into it a little bit when you're younger at a stage. Like, uh, you know, I. I would argue, I mean, uh, of yeah, course I would you can say, get into hiking a, later. I, yeah. Well, yeah, I, what I mean though is, I mean, I would say a majority of people probably do start that way, but I, I, I mean, I'm a perfect example of it. I had, I had never rode a boat until I started guiding. So it was just, it was something I wanted to do. Yeah. But you're 23, then, right? Or 20 or, you know, but, but yeah, I, I understand definitely. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But I mean, but it's, you know, you can also be 50 and just say, you know, make a friend with a boat and just say, hey, teach me the whip. Yeah, yeah. I bet there's a lot of rivers that you could row uh, row pretty well. But I was always surprised just the, like the magnet, like the, the number of people that would come through that were travelers from other areas that would come through for their summer vacations. And they'd like set up and book a trip, like a private trip for themselves to go to the lower rogue or for themselves to, to spend a couple of days on the on the river. But it was kind of cool. It was interesting. It seems like it'd be fun to jump out to like some other part of the country. Have you thought about that, Robert? Like uh, other rivers and other parts of the country, maybe up and down the West Coast. That'd be cool. I'd always wondered about that. Yeah. So a lot of uh, there's a variety of good rivers you could go to. Um, there's the the Umpqua, which is out of Roseburg, so still kind of Southern Oregon area. Yeah. Um, okay. That's that's got a couple technical runs on it and uh you know you'd want a smaller boat for that but uh you can also cruise up to the john day um there's the hawaii there, and this is just an oregon yeah right? I know I mean, there's, there's so like many the other oregon places. Rivers. well what uh, are the, the sought after rivers or it seems like well robert you should correct me because you, you've had some experience some years down on the rogue river when i was in the uh-huh. office and when I was around like the, the section doing support stuff for the river trips, uh, like I was for a few years working as a photographer, um, you'd, mm-hmm. you'd see and you talk to people and they were kind of seeking out the Rogue River as like a destination outside of like general tourism stuff. And it seemed like that was kind yeah. of the case with how they were booking out trips with mm-hmm. larger groups for the downriver trips for a few days or for the private trips that would go out to the lodges. And uh, yeah. so I was wondering like, well, like maybe in a list of priority, like where does a rogue river rank as like a uh, destination river for people to go to? Surprisingly high. Um, it seems like so, it would be, yeah. So it's a, it's a world-class river. It may not seem like it uh, just because we've grown up near it, but it really is. Um, so wow. it's, I mean, it starts up at Crater Lake. You've got the gorge. Um, you've got the lower rogue that everybody knows about. And then also it was uh, one of the eight rivers instilled in the uh 
the National Rivers Act where they where they uh, protected. Is that where they put um, it into wild and scenic? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So when they did the Protection Act on on uh, I forget what the other rivers are, but is that just it was in Oregon? One of the, it was that... one of the eight. Oh. No, no, it was national. U.S. Wow. So um, and they did eight of them, and the Rogue was one of them. Oh wow! So that was a part of it. Um, it's got cinematic okay. history. Well, uh, sure, yeah. You know, old John Wayne films, uh, River Wild, uh, you know, a few other TV shows and stuff. Um, I mean, a lot of those things. It's kind of made a name for itself over the years. And then also, it was, I mean, historically, it's where the, uh, where the Indian Wars of the 1850s were going on. It has a rich mining history. I mean, so the history is rich. Um, yeah, the history. Was, I mean, it's, it's definitely been. There's a lot of mining history back there. A lot of Indian War history back there that I'd heard about. Yeah, and it seems like over probably the last fifteen twenty years, it seems like the the tourism part of sport rafting and like sport tourism through that area has kind of increased a little bit. I don't know if the numbers reflected in the same way, but it seems like in general the whole um, like the national trend of people going to REI seems up. Does that make sense a little bit? Yeah, no, I, I absolutely, I, I think a lot of that is uh, just this this younger generation. Um, you know, our, you look at our parents' generation, the baby boomers, and they were, uh, you know, really career-oriented and, and, and things like that. Sure. Um, and to be fair, they set our generation up pretty decent as far as uh, having enough free time to go recreate a little more frequently than they were able to. Yeah, um, yeah, and I think uh, that's that's where I think a lot of that comes from, and as a result, we've just seen a lot more people recreating in different ways and shopping at places like REI and things like that. Yeah, I've seen it a lot too. It seems like the promotion of the that level of lifestyle, the recreational lifestyles, has increased a lot in the last like five years. In the last ten years, it seems like it's up. You know, from from two thousand five. Mm-hmm. to 2010 to now, then like 2015 2017 now like what it is for us seems like it's yeah. kind of been ra- wrapping ramping up like quite a bit maybe that's just been me and my involvement no i think it's that a good observation you know? well yeah it, it definitely does i mean you see like a lot like the last handful of years sort of the the angle of marketing that oregon has taken of being sort of this uh pacific northwest wonderland uh environment where and i think really that's just the the marketing department of travel Oregon really trying to push like tourism dates in the Northwest. It's kind of interesting well, how those, those absolutely. And a, a big, a big uh, component in that was, is wine culture kind of blowing up in this area as well. Oh yeah. The um, wine culture. Yeah. That's been yeah. a, it's created a huge spark as far as tourism goes. Cause now everybody's going, wait, I can go do a legitimate wine tour and still go whitewater rafting. You know, I don't have to go to Napa to go do wine. Yeah, you know, well, I want to raft the Russian River down there, man. Yeah, <laughs> no, I don't know obviously. what that one is, but <laughs> Sacramento River. Um, <laughs> yeah, but uh, <laughs> yeah, it's probably it's. I'm sure there's a lot of fun opportunities up here. You know, you should tell me, Robert. I remember because you probably interacted with more guests than I ever did. But mm-hmm. when I was interacting with guests, it was kind of interesting to see the cycles throughout the summertime because you would see a lot of people coming in from just different areas, like from Illinois, and they'd be on a six week vacation where they started in Southern California and they were on their way up North or mm-hmm. some reverse of that, where this was just a stop and a whole number of different 
things and places that they were going to go to. So the day before they were in the Redwoods, the day before that they were in San Francisco, you know, and on and on yeah. and so forth, like a road trip would go. But it was interesting to hear about that. I was wondering if you had heard or had experienced that same kind of thing with the people that were kind of interacting with the river. Yeah, no, I, I have a ton of experience with that. Um, uh, <laughs> sorry, I just side note. I just, I always say, yeah, no, when I start stuff and I just, I catch it sometimes and it makes me laugh. Um, <laughs> anyway, anyway, uh, people coming up, it kind of depends on the type of trip you're running. So if I'm running a day trip, um, I'm going to get a lot of people that are a three week vacation, uh, kids are on summer break or they're retired and they got the RV or something like that. That's where I get a lot of that, you know, sure, Hey, we're okay. just in the redwoods tomorrow, that type of deal. Um, running the multi-day trips, you get people that are a little more serious. Like they've been planning this for the last year and a half. They saved up the money. They got everybody together and then this is their trip. Yeah, so okay. a lot of times we get those people are flying in for their trips. A lot of those. Uh, I whereas, remember seeing that where it was like uh, four chiropractors and their wives were going on a rafting trip. And it was this, it was this very well planned out, yeah. structured everybody's paid in advance mm -hmm. like back in March. It's interesting how that was. You know, I wanted to get into that with you too a little bit of like the uh -huh. um the the shows that you went to i think what did you say you went to one in colorado and then one in Las colorado Vegas? and one in vegas yeah yeah i was interested in that because that was the that's like the other side of it like of where they're trying to like book some of those chips and mm -hmm. they book them like a year out or i remember like they book them even like two years out sometimes oh yeah uh no we were booking two years out uh when i was on these trips wow yeah, I remember so, that at Rogue I mean, Wilderness when I was working with them. You know how they'd have they'd have weekends set up for people already for yeah. private trips, for guided trips, and they just have that stuff already scheduled out. It's yeah, really I mean, if you're if you're waiting until summertime to try to book a rafting trip, uh, it's just it's probably not going to happen unless there's a cancellation. But at that point, you're kind of at the mercy of the dates available. Not Absolutely, yeah, yeah. It seems yeah. like everyone had had their their things already sorted out and just everybody had their equipment set up. Everybody had their, their bookings, their flights, all that was like yep. well, well made in advance of that, especially for mm -hmm. the travelers, you know, especially for that. But for us local people, it seems like it's a lot easier. Ah, yeah. It's been cool. But so you were talking about, um, well, I was just trying to figure out about like, uh, the NRS equipment, the cost. Yeah. And you were saying that's what lifts up to like the $20,000 range pretty quickly. Like when you're equipping a boat, and I was yeah. interested in that, like, um, of just different things you'd seen or different ideas that you had when you were trying to price out and set up your own. Like, you, you purchased used, right? Yeah, so that, that's the way to do it, in my opinion, is, sure. is understand the equipment, make sure you're not getting hustled by somebody Yeah, I mean, trying so. to sell you bunk gear. But, um, but yeah, just, just scope around, man. Craigslist is such a helpful tool. Like it really if, has. If you're serious about buying something, it's just look every single day. Yeah, you know, right. when you get home from work, just scan. Like you know, every day I would just type in rafts and I, that page phone all the time, and it's just you know on my lunch break, click through the rafts, sure. and eventually something's gonna pop up. Uh, I got my whole, uh, I got my raft just from association of the company. There was a raft that they came came upon. And then we're getting rid of, and I just happened to catch right. word of it. I remember and I that. Picked it yeah. Up. yeah, that's um, great. And I spent six hundred dollars on it rather than, you know, six thousand. Man, um, wow. 
but then I found I found my nice aluminum frame, um, which is really a great frame. I found that on Craigslist for a hundred. I mean, it took it took like an hour of modifying wow. to, uh, and it's not like I'm I'm an experienced, you know. I yeah yeah. Well, I uh, run that by one more time. It was how much for the frame? Yeah, it was 150 bucks. I mean, super minimal customization uh, when I got it home um, to get it to fit the way I wanted it to. And it's been a great frame, and I'll keep that frame forever. That's really cool. It seems yeah. like, a, like a great opportunity to get one for, for a lower cost. Yeah, and that's the thing, too. Is it, just, it all depends on how serious you are. If you have the money and you want the Ferrari of the water, you want to just like be decked out looking good, uh, <laughs> just scooped out and bitching, then you know, go buy new and do all that stuff. But if you just want to get on the water and not break the bank, look used. Yeah, I think the used stuff sounds great. So what would you say uh, to, like, to set up for fishing a little bit more? Like, Would you still go with a raft? Yeah, it's funny you say that. Um, it's kind of a point of debate between fishermen and rafters. Um, anybody that's been fishing for a long time and rows a drift boat will typically argue that um, you you need to have a drift boat for fishing. Uh, really? Okay. For practical reasons and just for tradition as well. Okay. Um, there's kind of a pride factor that comes with rowing the drift boat. Um, it That just kind of encompasses the culture of fishing. You know, it's I absolutely see that. I think that makes a lot of sense. Like, um, yeah, the yeah, from seeing the other drift boat, like fishermen and drift boat guides that have moved through the river, it's interesting to watch what they're able to do, and I can see where that's a point of pride. It's it's in you know the practicality level of it is you can hold a drift boat in a spot while people fish a lot longer. Sure, you can yeah. a raft a lot less uh, surface area for drag. Right, a lot um, less work, a lot less drag, a lot less. But then also intrusion. that the fishing end tends to be more zen and kind of peaceful and one with the right, river was, and nature. I was thinking and, it was more in in town yeah. with that experience. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It kind of provides a more intimate experience if if you can understand that, I guess. Um, but yeah, and then also, I mean, with a raft, you got fish hooks and knives and things like that going on. <laughs> you start thinking Drop about the logistics of, of that. Yeah just not really a great idea yeah i understand that but so, uh when you guys do well do you guys do any fishing off the off the back of the raft in the summertime when you're fishing with troops or with groups or is that like uh, just for the fishing trips um you know we that? we typically we'll let people bring fishing rods and stuff but we'll let them fish out of camp rather than the boats sure uh typically there's you know five other people in the boat with them right so somebody getting hooked or <laughs> <laughs> dropping back to throw a cast and exactly an, an old tommy right in the face yeah little trouble yeah i i i run a rod off the back of my boat well i remember that when we went yeah you had a you were we were kind of trolling for uh yeah for some bites there which was a good time it was fun i'm in the i'm in the gear boat so i kind of make my own make your own rules, rules back there exactly <laughs> <laughs> exactly unless anybody that i work with is listening to this and then i follow, play totally by the rules follow all the rules out there that's what i do I'm a rule yeah, follower. the high seas of the rogue river no it was yeah. a cool it was a cool experience you know i really appreciate uh the time that i had down uh, down on the river or like working on a river if anybody else has had that type of that type of experience and being a guide or being like support 
uh, I, I had a really cool time. Well, I think support, like you were talking about, like chucking rafts up onto a trailer, that job would suck. But my job was pretty cake. It was just like, but it was just photos. I just drive down in the morning and like you'd watch everybody get in, you'd photograph them in one spot, then you drive down ahead of them, you wait. And then you you kind of like time out and you could you could run stuff by clockwork really like of when people were going to go by when you could get that uh -huh. photograph but yeah it, would, it was interesting how you just get like so used to that rhythm of what people are doing or like what the little time is for uh, for people moving down the river and it was interesting getting used to that for ourselves too like when when you and i or when like our bigger group would go on raft trips and we'd just rent a raft on the days we weren't working pick up and then put in from hogs creek to galise and it was uh -huh. cool how you could kind of get to that point, like what you did, I'm sure, after what, like a week or something, you know, and probably to every other part of the lower row too, where you get kind of well-paced on that day of work on mm -hmm. the river. I always said that was a cool part of it. Well, that's that's kind of like the art of it. So, I mean, our, our job, right, is to, to, to keep a pace and a schedule, but still make it feel like you're on vacation. Sure, so yeah. the idea is like, we still need to be at these places at these times. But that's kind of the fun and difficult balance, and not everybody can do that, um, you know, of, of keeping people on schedule without rushing them or stressing them out and still giving them a good time. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I can see that a lot. So, I know it's a, it's it a really a pretty... specific personality type that seems to be pulled into work as a guide or, you know, work, work in that kind of a field. I don't know if you'd noticed that too, against like the, the personality types of people that self-select to become guides oh, or to work man. in the downriver industry. It's, it's so funny. Yeah. It's, everybody's got pretty much the same, the same personality deep down. And it's not all, <laughs> it's not always as chipper and fun as, as uh, we make you believe. <laughs> I've seen that too. Yeah, I've seen that. There's also the salty end of it. Yeah, yeah there's a salty fun. end of that sometimes. I remember hanging out with a few of those guys after hours after work. You know, they'd get done with the thing and we'd go, you know, just uh, burn down Merlin. As you, know, you get out, there's like, what, one bar or something out there? Romar's? Have you been down there? Uh huh. Like, yeah, yeah, I've never been in Romar's. I oh usually my pass gosh, by man. and go to Baldini's. Oh, Baldini's. <laughs> there you go, man. <laughs> the high life of Merlin out there. That's yeah. it, man. Yeah, yeah. Those guys could be troublemakers, though. It turns out, but it was fun times, oh, yeah. man. They're 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 lively group. It was kind of cool. Oh but, man, I I love hanging out with those guys. It's uh, if anybody gets you the way you want to be understood, it's definitely river guides for me, anyway. <laughs> I've had a good time with them, man. It's cool. Yeah, it's uh, it was a fun time being down there, and, and I, I was I had a great time. I mean, um, it's just there's no cooler place to work, right? Or to like get to hang out for a while, just being down on the river. And, it's what I yeah. always appreciated the most. It was fun. I remember working like every single day of August and like almost every single day of July. It was just like super packed. And then right up to Labor Day and boom, it's done. It was mm -hmm. weird how that part of the season worked. At least my yeah. part of it, right? Of uh, doing photos, doing it in that section. But yeah, as soon as school starts, the river like died off completely for that upper section. Yeah, and it, it does that in the, in the canyon too. You're working and it's crazy because you're working back to back to back to back trips all summer long from the springtime and it seems like as soon as memorial day hits you're just like out of a job yeah you know it really it's just like so oh true, yeah. everything just stopped go back to your life now no well, and it's it's so sudden that you don't even it takes you a while to adjust out of that it was really tough well the first year it was great because i, I was a college student i think the first two years i was a college student so it was like the summer job where i'd, I'd come home from college 
and then I'd work on the river doing that like every day of the summer break and then right you know as soon as it would stop that's right at the time I needed to move back up and start stuff for that that next year and so that worked out really well and then the last bit of it is when um, is when I did stuff to go on those trips right like uh, when I finished up college I worked like all the time that summer to save up money and then as soon as that stopped I took off and uh, and I went into work or like I went into working on those long like 50 day road trips that I did uh, where like I went down river or not down river but I went out to like well Robert just dropped off the line there I should just notice sorry for being a little distracted for a second but to wrap up I guess everything we were talking about what I did is we finished up a ton of the photography that we were doing on the Rogue River, uh, like supporting all of those day trips, those downriver trips. And then I took all that money that I saved up to do those long road trips of camping and traveling and backpacking and stuff in the fall. And that's after I finished up college, which was a super awesome ability to afford that, like during that year of your life when you're flexible enough that you get to do that kind of stuff. And it was super fun. I was really glad that I got to do it during that time. But um, shoot, it's too bad, Robert. Robert wishes he was here. I'm sure he does. He just dropped off the line a second ago, and he didn't uh, didn't pick up back when uh, we tried to Skype him back. One of the silly things about doing little Skype things. Maybe I should call him, or you know, try. <laughs> you guys can listen to me dial in. Robert, are you there? No, no pickup. I'm just kind of teasing though. But uh, I guess I'll wrap up everything on the podcast, and uh, I'm sure Robert wishes that he was here to uh, announce that uh, we have a Facebook page that I think we're putting together. That's what he had talked about. Episode 10, right? So we had to have figured out. But we have uh, a little bit of a Facebook page going on. I think Robert's going to be working on that. I'll try and post a link to that sometime soon. But outside of that, we have everything at the BillyNewmanPhoto.com. And uh, I think it's at the podcast section of that page. And then you go to the Get Out There section. You can also search for Get Out There on iTunes, of course. And it seems to come up right away. It's pretty cool having a little podcast and I've been looking at the numbers and it seems like they're growing a little bit, but if anybody has any questions or uh, any interest that they'd want to listen to us talk about, or that we'd have any stories about, I mean, I guess it's a lot of what the podcast focuses on. It's just stories that Robert and I have about past experiences doing stuff out in the outdoors. It's kind of cool stuff. So I won't talk anymore without Robert. I'm sure he wishes he was here. So what I will say is on behalf of Robert Biscarat, my name is Billy Newman, and thank you all very much for listening to this episode of the Get Out There podcast.